shop, but, but I... So, after Joe Janet got me to go down there, that's when I got involved in Soho again. That's the reason I got out to camp, and uh, that's where we spent most of our weekends. Our weekends were always out to camp because I was on the camp committee for a period of about 27, 27 years. And uh, a pres I was president for a few years, and uh, we, we always went out there to work, maintain the building. And, and also, in the evening, we'd play cards. A little enjoyment. Our, when television first came out, we used to always, everybody used to dash out there to get their table because people went out there years ago. Today, it, it's a lot different. They don't want to go 24 or 20 miles out of St. Louis. They want to go 100 miles today. But uh, everything was new to us, and um, we'd go out there on a Friday night, and Friday night we'd go, go down to the tavern and, and watch television. The women would stay up there with the kids. And then uh, uh, we'd play cards till midnight or, or 1 o'clock, and the women and the kids would be sleeping already. And we'd get up early in the morning, go to work Saturday. And uh, Sunday, that was a day of recreation. We didn't have any special go work. Go work on the camp. Yeah, on the camp, yeah, main, maintain it. And uh, so t today, our, our camp, and that's, that's where I, I met Camilla quite a bit because she, well, after we were married, we went out there all the time. But uh, we got married and in 34 and 30 in, in from 30 31 to 30 i was out of work for a year and 10 months i worked for missouri pacific for five years doing what clerk clerk clerk, clerk. in the railway exchange building and then the irony of us where i started with the scorecard mm -hmm. i wound up with missouri pacific on 13th and pine again see <laughs> And uh, oh, no. so, uh, so I was out of work for a year and ten months, and we were going to get married. I went out with Camilla for nine years before we got married. So uh, we got mar married in in '34. Uh, we lived in my dad's four-family flat. We were the landlords. We lived upstairs. We fixed up the place before we got married, and we had three tenants. We never did anything. I had to do everything. And uh, you owned the building. My dad. Time? My dad owned it, and uh, we li lived there. And uh, my mother died while I was still at home on Minnesota. I was 21, and my dad then, in the meantime. Uh, sold a little cottage over there and moved over where my his cousin had the house when he first come to this country, 34, 46 Minnesota. He was paying rent over to to my uh, his cousin's daughter. And then, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my dad's cousin built a house just south of there be uh, before that. So, uh, after my mother passed away, and I got out of work in in, um, in thir 32, 
then uh, we went out together. I spent spent the seven hundred dollars that I had saved up to get married. That that was gone, and finally got a job with International Shoe Company, uh, working in a machine shop in the tool room. Didn't know the first thing about machinery. Didn't know the first thing about screws, bolts, or what have you. But I got the job, ninety dollars a month. Where you got me? That was that was right after the depression. Yep. So I got we got married. We lived lived together until uh, Mickey was born. Then my dad passed away. Anyway, I guess during her in '44, '45, we used to go over and see him almost every day because he was blind, and that's what made me a little bitter against my tenant during the Second War. None of the tenants saved a tin can; they never saved anything for the help the war effort, and. Uh, my dad, he was blind, and he wasn't supposed to send save salvage condensed milk cans, canned milk cans. But he had a he had a, a coal stove, and what he did, he had a hot plate in his hand. And he put the tin can on the coal stove, wait until he felt it was unsoldered. He took a ice pick, took the bottom off, then he turned it over. First he let the water run through it so it was clear. Then he put the other end on her and did the same thing to any flattening on it. I said, here's a man that's blind, trying to help the war effort, saving tin cans, and my tenants couldn't save a can all during that day. Everything went in the ash pit. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my grandson asked me once when we were in Amarillo, I told him, let's go ash pit hunting. <laughs> he says, what? I said, well, <laughs> He goes through the rubbish can. So I taught him how to ash pit on it anyway. Okay, I, we, I remember ash pit. We used to do that when we were kids. Every Saturday was our Saturday morning was our ash pit day. We went through the ash pits to pick up all the goodies that we could find. In your neighborhood. In the neighborhood. And what'd you find? Oh heck. Anything that people threw away that they couldn't use. Mm -hmm. Just like they do today. Yeah. And so everything went. Mickey was born in '36, and I told my brother, I, "Joe, I'm gonna. After my dad passed away, I'm gonna move out of here. I'm gonna buy a house myself." So we bought a place on 5648 Gothi in Southwest St. Louis. Paid seventeen thousand dollars for it. So we sold the house on Nebraska for about for about fourteen thousand that time, four family flat, and we lived there for I I don't know how many years, maybe eleven years. And then finally, my daughter. Was it check? No. How'd you happen to do that? I mean, what? Way. The funny thing is, we moved away from there when we built the new gymnasium, the American Czech Educational Center, in, in 1965. 
say we lost our old hall on 17th and Allen with the Highway 55. Mm -hmm. And the state was only giving us $44,000, $46,000 for it. We contested it. We went before a commission and they gave us $125,000. Good for you. So we started started building the American Czech Center on that $125,000. But we sold the Kings Highway frontage where McDonald is down there now on Kings Highway where White Castle is. We sold that for $90,000 to the contractor because we felt we didn't want to pay the taxes on Kings Highway. So we still got a nice enough place, nice parking lot and everything with what we have today. But that originally was piece of ground that we bought was owned by Stan Musil and Associates. And we convinced Carbone, who was at the Redbird Bowling Lanes, to sell it to us. So we bought it for a hundred thousand dollars, a piece of ground, and then sold the ground for ninety. So we come out smelling like a rose. Mm -hmm. And then from when we started building it, we moved out here. See, the, these homes are all from 1965. Mickey needed more room. She lived across the street from me on Gothi, 5701, and. Uh, so we moved out here and we, we selected the type of house we wanted to build. I told Don, I said, I don't want to live in a hollow. I said, I want to get in the hill. So that's reading we got these lots up on the hill. Those were displaced homes down here on Garber. Mm -hmm. But it didn't bother you to move away from your community? Well, people I, were moving away or talking with them? No, I, well, it didn't bother me. I figured, well, uh, frankly, I was little perturbed and I didn't want to move but we moved anyway because she she needed more room so here we are today and uh, which we're glad that we're here today because it don't take me but 15 minutes to get down to the gym now I don't gym anymore I gym, gymmed in, in my 70s yet and, uh, what does gym mean? I mean, I know what gym gymnasium. Means, but I know that. Calis calisthenics, uh, mm -hmm. phys physical fitness, class. you know, yeah. You, you go to class. Yeah, go to class. And did you, people have regular, you know, little uniforms that they yes. wear special? Yeah, yeah. And did you put on shows and things like that? Oh, yeah, every year. Years ago down 9th and Allen, they used to give two a year, one at Easter and one at Christmas. Mm -hmm. But here, we, we give one around around Easter time all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's from the little kids on up to the senior class. Invite me. Yeah, sure. We'll, okay. we'll give you an invitation. I'd like to see it. Yeah. Uh, we, um, all right. Now, so you, you, you were clerk, and then? Clerk, and then I went to International Shoe. From International Shoe, I I figured I had to get ahead. I, was, I didn't want to be a, a labor. Uh, well, I worked in, and my boss always said, "How'd you like to raise?" I said, "What raise?" And I went. So I started going to. Uh, I taken a correspondence course with International Correspondence School out of Pennsylvania to be a draftsman. And uh, the reports of my progress went to the superintendent of the plant. Not to my boss, the superintendent. 
And then the war broke out. And being that I was the draftsman, why, uh, the fellow that was, uh, he was a lieutenant in the uh, National Guard. They sent him to Alaska. So that was my opportunity to give me a chance to get, go up on a drafting board in the office in the engineering department. And that's where I stayed in the engineering department, finally wound up. I went to school for architecture, for reinforced concrete, and wound up, wound up uh, the company's uh, architectural manager. And then when I became 62, well, no, I wasn't 62 then. Uh, I was in, I wasn't 60 yet. The, uh, they brought a hatchet man into general office and they got rid of the maintenance foreman of general office at 15th and Washington and they asked me, they told me to, go, to take over the job. Well, I figured, well, I, I wasn't going to go, but then he said, it's that or else. So I took the so I took that and I went down there and became superintendent of the maintenance department for the next three years. And uh, I had my heart attack on December the 30th, 1971. And they were given the, gen they gave the general, the international shoe gave the general office to Washington U back in the, teens, but they gave the 10-story warehouse to Washington U, the first of 72. So I beat them to it before they retired me. I had my heart attack, and they kept me on till April, and then I was out. 20 years for that heart attack. That's right. Have you, are you, do you feel well, I only had one spell since then, but uh, I don't know whether it was or not, but I was in intensive care, and, and, but I take one pill a day and that's it. Yeah. You look good. I, it's, uh, I think it's interesting when you talk to somebody on the phone or looking forward to meeting Andy, um, and um, you have a conception of what you think people are going to look like. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, I quit smoking when I was 13 and a half. Well, I was just like the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. Your uncle stopped throwing the butts out the back door. <laughs> oh, I didn't smoke after. <laughs> I started when I was 13. An old ball player played on the Allen AC, Freddie Snyder said to me, if I ever catch you with a cigarette, I'm going to kick you in the butt. And I quit. I haven't smoked since then. Bill, who, who were your role models? Did you have any? George Sisler. George Sisler was a role model. You know who that is? Sure, he didn't pitch for the Browns. He didn't pitch for the Browns. What's the matter with him? He was a first baseman. First baseman. <laughs> I'd like to erase that. I thought I was coming in really As a good. matter of fact, I had a cyst on my face here. Uh -huh. 
for about two months. I went to a doctor that my wife went to, mm -hmm. and he wanted to know why I came there. I said, well, you've been treating my wife. So he says, okay. And I showed, I called him up on one of the apartments, so he looked down and he says, well, this is what we're going to do. He drew me a picture. You're going to cut here, and then you can open it up. I was afraid of cancer, just like everybody else. So, and I, I always, I told him, I said, yeah, I can remember your daddy when I played for the St. Louis Browns. Shucks Pruitt, he pitched, he pitched for the St. Louis oh, Browns. You went to Don Pruitt. I went to Don Pruitt. I went to school with all these boys you're talking Did about. Did you? I just saw Shelby Did you? at a um, reunion, right? Yeah, and, and the younger sister boy was a dick, I guess. Yeah, so dick. He he bums with um, with Don. He was a grade above me. Uh huh. Uh, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I told him, yeah, he used to strike out Babe Ruth, see, mm -hmm. old Chuck's pool. He, he, he was going to Missouri, his dad was a doctor also. He was going to Missouri U when he was pitching for the St. Louis Browns in the summertime. And he had what they called a fadeaway. He, and he struck out Babe Ruth. He, he was the only guy that Babe Ruth couldn't hit, see. So did you know George I didn't know him. I went to see him play, though. Yeah. So he was... My, I was a George Sisler man. My brother was a Rogers Hornsby man mm -hmm. on the Cornell. And and as I told you, I was a Brown rooter. He was a Cornell rooter. Well, I'm a Cornell rooter now because the Browns ain't here anymore. They got a fan club, though. Oh, yeah, they have. I have a friend of mine that belongs to it. Me, too. Do you? Uh, no, I have a friend. Yeah. He's really important to him. Um, besides... Besides George Sisler, was there anyone that could be, I mean, and, and what did George Sisler have besides a good catcher's net? He was a first baseman. Well, he had to catch. He had to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, first, he had a first baseman there. First baseman. Because net. he was a gentleman, and even on a, I wonder what he'd be making today, just like what Babe Ruth would be making. These guys are drawing in millions. I don't know what Babe Ruth would be making today with six, 60 some home runs. But George Sisler, I always tell a story about him. He never got mad and never argued with anybody, but at one time he got thrown out of first base at a, on a close play. And he ran past first base. He turned around, he come back. In those days, they could put their gloves in the coaching box. They don't, they don't allow them. So, this would come by, went to court, put his glove on, walked past the umpire and punched him in the face and walked straight to the dugout. He didn't wait to say, you're out of the ball game. He, was, he knew he'd be out, see? Yeah. And that's the only time that he did. He was a graduate of Michigan University. But he did that pretty straightforward, too. Yes, he, he did. He knew he was going to pay the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but, uh, okay. Anything, anything else? You've been wonderful. I appreciate it. You've spent a, a lot of time uh, planning for this, and it was worth it. What time have you I, got? I just want to, it's uh, 24, and I appreciate Mickey, your daughter, being so helpful. Uh. 
Maybe someday I, uh, you're going to be down at the so-called, if you've got any papers or anything down there, wherever. I, I, got, I got a lot of papers here. I'll try okay. and put them together, but you take care of them and you can give them back to me then. I can make some copies. That's what I say. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Thank you, Bill. Uh, it's a privilege to listen uh, to you. Okay? I'm going to give you this for the time being. This is our 75th anniversary of the circle. Okay. And it, it's got a history in there, too. There's the old circle. That's the old circle hall. Mm-hmm. We bought it in. In '94, cyclone took the took this wall out and the roof off. In '96, I wasn't here, but um, that's the old hall that I went 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 to gym down there. I'll uh, I'll leave you take this with you. Okay, thank you. And you you don't.